Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. It's another edition of the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Walter Storholt with you alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, serving you throughout the Kansas City area with an office in Overland Park. You can get in touch by finding us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. we got another great show on the way for you today. Let's first introduce you to David Dickens in case you're new to the program. David joins us each and every week to be our guide through all things financial. David, great thing to uh, talk to you again this week. How are you, sir? I am doing just great. It's a beautiful sunny day in Kansas City and perfect for golf if we weren't in doing some podcasts. So, um, <laughs> so hint, hint, hurry up, Walt, ask me these questions and so let me go golf. Is that the idea? No, Walter, I would give up golf any day just to spend a little time with you, a little quality time with Walter. Since since we're getting into golf season, uh, tell me, what's the proper term? Is it, do you go golf or do you go golfing? Wow. I've heard people have very serious debates about this before. I play golf. You play you play golf, yes. Okay, and that's the other version, right. You play golf third. or do you go golfing, maybe is the way to put it. <laughs> I don't know. My, my friends and I de- debate whether it's a sport or a game. And the question is, if it's truly a sport, could you – now, I don't smoke cigars, but the part of the joke goes, if it's truly a sport, could you smoke cigars and drink beer while you were doing it? <laughs> so it must be a game, right. not a sport. Right, because if you can do those <laughs> things while you do it, then it's, it doesn't qualify as a sport. <laughs> Exactly. That's interesting. That's interesting. I feel like that's that still leaves a lot of room to be uh, to be interpreted, though, because we could start looking at other sports where maybe we could blur those lines a little bit, <laughs> like bowling. Bowling. Yeah, there you go. I would say bowling is a game, not a sport. But I'm thinking, eh, tennis. You probably it's probably be pretty tricky to do that while you're playing tennis. To to do it well. To do it well. Yeah, <laughs> that would be hard. Yeah, well, bowling. to play golf well. You're probably not, but anyway. <laughs> Depending on how many brewskis you're taking with you yeah, exactly. on the course. Yeah, there you Boy, go. that's a rabbit trail, wasn't it? We're just trying to cover <laughs> sure everybody's is. assets right here. That's right. That's what we do on the show. Fantastic. On today's program, well, I, well we'll try and keep this one uh, easy to consume and relatively short, David, so you can get out there and <laughs> play golf, not go golfing, but play golf. Uh, we'll get you on your way here. Uh, back in 2019, David, uh, we did an episode about things to know about inherited IRAs. It was a very good episode. If I I don't necessarily remember it from that long ago, but um, I, all of your episodes are great, so I know that I can say that with confidence. Um, good, good recovery there, Walter. Thank you, thank, thank you. you very much. Much has changed in the world since 2019, not only with COVID, but also with. Uh, you know that we had different acts come down, some changes in the financial world, and uh, you kind of hit me up as uh, we prepared for this episode and said, "Yeah, it's time to not necessarily do a refresher on that episode, but at least cover some changes that have happened in the world of inherited IRAs." And because uh, we're not usually, we tell people to go back and listen to the prior episodes. This might be one case where we say, "Don't worry about going back and listening to that one because it's probably not correct anymore." So good to get the updated information from you today. Yeah. So inherited IRAs used to be a big piece of our planning work years ago. Uh, because, you know, if you were a, a grandparent or, you know, let's just call it a grandparent, you could leave your IRA to your grandkid and they could take it out over their lifetime. So there was a, there were decades and decades of time where you could maintain that tax deferral 
and just take out a required minimum distribution. And when you're 18 or 22 or 26, that calculation was pretty small. So you could leave that IRA in place for a lot of years. But Congress changed that. And so the biggest change that they made is that now uh, there is there are certain exceptions, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. But the main rule is that when you inherit an IRA, you have up to 10 years to clean it out. The tax deferral can't last any more than that 10th year. That's a big change, right? From What well, is a big change? So, so for instance, you inherit a $250,000 IRA from a parent. Uh, you can take out 25000 a year. Let's assume it. <laughs> we hope it grows over time. But for sake of round numbers, you take out 25000 a year for 10 years. That's your $250,000. Maybe you have other income of 140000 married filing joint. That puts you in the 22% federal tax bracket. But if you take that entire IRA all in one year, you still have your 140,000 of income. Now you have 250,000 of income from this inherited IRA. All of a sudden, you're not in the 22% bracket, you're in the 32% bracket. Extra 10% of that $250,000 or 25 grand that go extra that goes straight to the government. Now, most people I know and virtually all of my clients are, you know, pretty happy to pay their taxes, but they're not looking for ways to pay more than they should. So what you really want to do if you, when you inherit an IRA is to have some sort of plan as to how you're going to take it out. There is no more required distribution. The only requirement is that it's totally cleaned out after 10 years. And then if you happen to inherit a Roth, let's say that this, that this, um, son or daughter inherited a Roth IRA from their parent. Well, they can take that out at any time, but it still has to be cleaned out after 10 years. The good news there is there aren't any taxes when you take the money out. So it would continue to grow tax-free over those 10 years. So there would be an incentive to leave it in there longer rather than shorter uh, and let that tax-free benefit continue to grow. So that's without any, um, without any of the exceptions, which, I, which we're going to get into here shortly, that's the rule. You inherit an IRA and you've got to clean it out within 10 years. Much more accelerated than it used to be and kind of applicable across the board, minus, again, the exceptions that you mentioned. All right. So that's, that was the big sea change, right? That was the big one. Okay. Now, if, you're, if you happen to inherit that IRA from your spouse, that's the main exception. And it's exactly the same if, it, if you inherit it from the, the owner and the owner was not more than 10 years older than you. So I'm going to lump these two together because the tax treatment is the same. If it's your spouse, you, you pretty much just make that your own IRA. And then your required distributions depend on your age 72. If that person was less than 10 years younger than the, than the person who died, let's say uh, your brother or a really good friend of yours who didn't have other heirs left you their IRA. You're not even related to that person, maybe. But that person was 73 and you're 66. You're less than 10 years younger. You also, you can stretch that IRA over your lifetime just like the spouse could. So those are two of the big exceptions uh, where the old rules still apply. You do not need to clean it out over 10 years. There are a couple other carve-outs if you're disabled or chronically ill, and those are defined uh, in the act, in, in the Congressional Act. 
But the other one that I thought is particularly interesting is if, um, let's say if uh, the grandparent leaves money to their minor grandchildren under 18 years old, the rule there says that that grandchild can take out as much or, well, they have a, a, a small required distribution until they turn 18. So they don't have, the 10-year the clock is not ticking until they turn 18, at which point the 10-year clock does start ticking. And by the time they're 28, they have to have cleaned that out. So that then becomes, maybe that's money that they take out at a super low tax rate to pay for college. Or maybe in their early working years, uh, when they're not making as nearly as much as they're going to make in their 40s and 50s and 60s, there are some really good opportunities there with just a little bit of advanced planning to figure out the best way to take that money out of an IRA you inherited uh, when you were in your teens. That's a, I know it starts to get the layers start to pile on here a little bit with all the different moving parts, David, trying to figure out what the rules are for these inherited IRAs. Yeah, you know, we always talk about the, you know, the, the, um, the tax statute is like, <laughs> I don't know, six or 8,000 pages. It, right. We have made things over the years so complicated that you almost need somebody like me to help you interpret this stuff. Se- now you sec- can be a Section pre- 7, Addendum D, <laughs> Bullet Point uh, 14, uh, uh, that leads you to then an, an additional you know, footnote down on page 44, you know, that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> and every time you think they're going to clean it up and make this little section more simple, they end up making it more complicated. And so that's frustrating. Even, even for someone in my business, it's frustrating because there's so many little side rules that you have to keep track of. But that's a new side rule. And like we, we started off with a little banner about golf, but like the game of golf, the tax rules can work in your favor. And sometimes they work against you, uh, like the rules of golf. Sometimes the, the rules are your friend if you know the rules. And so this is a, there are some um, really good exceptions like we've just discussed in the inherited IRA space where you can make the rules work to your advantage if you know what the rules are. So what, what are the implications for folks that meet with you, talk with you, and, and go through the kind of planning that you help people with uh, when you see the rules shift and change like what they recently have gone through? Well, so there's the um, the implication of the you know the the teenager, which I just discussed. But there's another one that I've actually seen in practice a couple times during the last year in my practice. So you've got somebody who is someone who is nearly retired. Let's just say they're 63, and they inherit an IRA that has to be cleaned out within that 10 year period. Well, nothing says that they have to take that money out when they're 63 or 64 or 65. So what we've occasionally been able to do is to take a look at their plan that we already had in place before we even knew this IRA was coming to them. And we restructured their plan a little bit such that, okay, they retire at 65, but instead of starting Social Security, they can start withdrawals from this IRA. It's taxable money either way. But as we've mentioned on a number of our podcasts in the past, the longer you wait to take Social Security, the more you get. So this is an opportunity. Instead of taking the um, an IRA distribution from this inherited IRA while they're still working and causing them to pay more in taxes, they can wait until their tax bracket drops and maybe fund their first one or two or three years of retirement expenses using the IRA 
before they start Social Security because they're, what they'd like to do is to have a chance to have as little of their Social Security be taxable as possible. It also uh, might hold off uh, them starting to draw on their own IRAs, uh, on their own Roths. So there is some flexibility built in there. What they really would not want to do is get to year 10 and have to take the entire amount out all at once because that probably pops them up into a significantly higher tax bracket. They'd be doing their own required distributions. They'd have a distribution out of the beneficiary IRA and their Social Security would be massively taxed. So there are some implications, some opportunities, some positive opportunities here to work through your retirement planning, especially in those early years, if you're lucky enough to inherit an IRA from somebody. Is it better to inherit one, in in terms of inheriting, David, a Roth versus a traditional IRA? I, I realize that there's sort of similar rules in terms of the amount of time you have to take them out, but if I'm a, a grandparent who's wanting to pass something down to that next generation, is it better to be passing down an IRA or a Roth? Yeah, so we've worked through uh, this exact question with parents who have adult children who make a lot of money, and the, and the parents are in a lower tax bracket. And so what we have suggested they do, if, if they really want to pass on the maximum benefit to the next generation, is to pass on more Roth and less IRA money. And so what they would do is they would do some Roth conversions while they're in retirement at a lower tax bracket than what their, when what their kid is going to inherit it at whenever they pass on. A lot of these questions would be so simple if we knew when we were going to die, but we don't. And so the best you can do is have a plan and try to figure out what gives me the highest probability of passing on the best assets to the next generation, if that's your thing. And for most of my clients, it is, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're most interested in, in doing the best job they can do for the next generation while having the lifestyle they want while they're still here. So by far, the best thing to pass on to the next generation would be a Roth. Taxes are already paid. The longer it stays in, once that next generation inherits it, up to 10 years, it all grows tax-free, and so that next generation can take it out anytime they want, in any amount they want, over that 10-year period, and never pay a penny of tax. That's by far the best way to pass on one of these retirement accounts to the next generation. Very helpful, David. Any other gaps we're missing in the conversation? Well, I don't think so, other than if you, when you inherit an IRA, there, you know, there are two ways, Walter, to roll over an IRA. One is to go custodian to custodian. Let's say your 401k, you send it to the new custodian directly, or they send a check to your house, you put it in your bank, and then you have 60 days to roll it over into the new IRA rollover. But with a beneficiary IRA, with, a, with one you inherit, there is no such thing as a 60-day rollover. So I guess my parting bit of advice is, if you inherit an IRA, make sure you do it directly from one custodian to another and never take that check personally because you cannot redeposit it into a beneficiary IRA. Has to go custodian to custodian. Another good little nuance to know. And and that has some big complications if we don't do that correctly, right? So we gotta make sure Yeah, because you right. can't unwind that kind of mistake. Once that's yeah. once that's done, it's done. I've never seen a waiver letter from the IRA IRS that says, Oh, that's fine. 
uh, we'll we'll <laughs> let you uh, pave over that little mistake. That's right. I have never seen that happen. They they want your money, so they're not going to create <laughs> gaps and loopholes that allow you to undo the things once you get it into their pocket. So um, that's 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 not surprising that that's the case, right? Um, well, very good. If you have any questions about this, um, inheriting IRAs and dealing with all of those different exceptions can certainly get complicated if you're not fully up on the rules, but that's why David's here. He and his team can help look at your situation, uh, your overall plan, how it all fits together, and help you make the best choices going forward. So if you want to get in touch with David, it's very easy to do that. You can call 913-317-1414, 913-317-1414, or go online to coveryourassetskc.com. Lots of information for you there on the website, uh, blog posts, past podcasts, different resources you can check out as well, and ways to get in touch. All at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, thank you for the help and uh, the guidance on the program today. Enjoyed it. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I think we're working on some um, listener questions for next time. So and those are always super fun podcasts to do. So we'll look forward to doing that uh, next week. Excellent. Yeah. And if you'd like to have one of your questions featured on the show, uh, email David. It's ddickens at kcfa.com. ddickens at kcfa.com. And we might feature your question on an upcoming show. I'd love to get those questions and topic suggestions from you. So feel free to reach out anytime with those. For David Dickens, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on the Cover Your Assets KC Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other.